today is very, very practical application on how to keep your mind renewed to a new way of thinking. Uh, this series is called Outgrown, and one of the things we have focused on is moving past uh, a, a, a way of thinking, a very, um, a, a, a way of thinking that a large majority, I'm not a majority, I've said that wrong twice now, a, a large portion though of the church in America has a very legalistic mindset, meaning a lot of people, I'm not here to bash anybody, uh, I'm just stating a few facts, that a, a big part of the church, especially in the U.S., focus maybe 90 to 95% of their thoughts and messages on our own behavior instead of what Hebrews 12 says, focusing on Jesus, right? Here's the truth about our behavior. On our best days, we still don't measure up. Uh, Jerry pointed, he reminded me of something that Pastor Kermit, our dear friend Pastor Kermit, who passed away just about two months ago, uh, used to say, was I wish when you signed up for a church or for a community that is very legalistic, you could sign a paper that says, I understand that I'm going to sit down and hear teaching based on the law and that I'll never measure up. And at the end of this class, I'll get a trophy that says, congratulations, you still failed no matter how good I do. I know that's kind of extreme, but really that's what the law does because Jesus said himself, listen, if you've ever hated your brother on the inside, you're guilty of murder. If you've ever lusted after your neighbor's wife, even if it was just for a moment, you've committed adultery. And Jesus wasn't saying that to condemn us. He was saying that to point out the fact you could never measure up to the standards of the law. But look at me, here I am. In that moment he said that, he was living up and fulfilling every part of that law that was given to Moses, knowing full well that he was going to go to the cross, take our sin upon himself, take it to the grave as an innocent man, rise from the grave, and then his righteousness accounted to us. We read from Galatians chapter 3 last week. I hope you read it. I actually heard from some of you that you've been reading it every day this week and that it has brought some revelation to your life. But in Galatians chapter 3, Paul writes to the Galatians and he says, you knew that you were saved by faith. This is my summary of Galatians 3 through 14. He said, you knew that you were saved by faith. You knew that you received the Holy Spirit because you believed. You knew that it wasn't about your behavior. Who has come and vexed you? Why do you now think that it is about your behavior? These, this church in Galatia had fallen back into an old mindset that they received the Holy Spirit or that God loved them because they were good. And the other end of that is they thought that the Holy Spirit left them or that God closed his ears when they prayed, or that he looked away when they would come to him because of their bad behavior. And Paul says, you knew that it wasn't about you. You knew that it was about Jesus. Why have you gone back to this old mindset? And then in a very important verse, he says, don't you remember that we're sons of Abraham? There's a reason he didn't say sons of Moses. Moses brought the law. Abraham believed, and it was accounted to him. 
as righteousness. Moses brought the law. And to be righteous during the time of Moses, you had to measure up to every one of them. And if you didn't measure up, you had to go make a sacrifice. You had to actually bring a spotless lamb to be sacrificed. And if you brought the right sacrifice on the right day, you could leave that moment clean and righteous. But Paul didn't call us sons of Moses. He said, you're sons of Abraham. And the same blessing that God gave to him is yours. Because just like Abraham, we are made righteous because we believe. So is behavior important? Yes. I've said it every week. I'm going to keep saying it. Behavior is important. Right? The law is, is, man, the Ten Commandments are great. We should obey them. We should take them to heart. However, the difference is when you're looking to Jesus, good behavior, realistically, becomes a result of that relationship with Him. You'll get past stuff that's held you back for years faster than you can even imagine when you're looking to Jesus and remembering that in your lowest moment, if you have said with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that on your worst moment, God is no further from you than he was before that ever happened. When I can still look to him in that moment and know you're my loving father who never leaves me or forsakes me, Boy, it will end guilt and condemnation. I love we sing that song. It says, I was shacked up with shame and heaviness. Yeah. How many of you can relate to that? Because I can. Yeah. From the time I was 15 to 18, every day of my life, my whole relationship with God seemed like it was shame and heaviness. I was like those Galatians. But thank you, Jesus, that I got a revelation on the grace of God and on yeah. his love. And I hope you have too. I pray you have. And if you've been here for the last two weeks, I believe you've received something and you've not, you heard something maybe you haven't heard and you have now outgrown that old way of thinking that I have to measure up to be accepted. Mm. Don't forget this super important thing Jesus said. If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. Right. And how did Jesus relate to sinners? Well, he told the thief Zacchaeus, come on down, I'm going to go to your house. He told the, the prostitute, the adulterer, where are your accusers? I don't condemn you either. Man, he looked at the, the criminal beside him on the cross and said, today you'll be with me in my kingdom. Yes. He never said get right first even. Do you think about that? If you've ever had that thought, I'm going to get right and then Jesus will accept me. Put yourself in that position. Imagine you could be on that cross. I could be on that cross. I deserve it. You deserve it. So put yourself in that guy's position and picture yourself, like Austin said earlier, looking at Jesus and saying, will you remember me? And hear his words back to you. Today, you're going to be with me in my kingdom. Do you hear any condemnation in that? Do you hear any guilt in that? Do you hear any reference to the law at all? Well, did you live up to it? Are you on that cross as an innocent man or are you on that cross because you're guilty? Oh, I'm guilty. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You don't have time to go to the altar. He was pinned to a cross. Right. He was nailed to a cross. He didn't have time to run to the altar. He didn't have time to sit down and confess every one of his sins one by one. He didn't have time to go back and apologize to people he wronged. But he looked at Jesus and Jesus said, today you'll be with me. No stipulations, no questions asked. Boy, that's good. 
Remember that. Remember that when the enemy comes against you and says, you're guilty. When he says, God's not listening. When he says, why would he listen to you? Why would he answer your prayers? I love, I believe it was Galatians 3.12, where he says, God does not work miracles among you because of your behavior, but he does it because you believed. Man, sometimes I know even in my own mind, I still sometimes fall back into this mindset that, boy, I need to see this miracle in my life. I am going to do my best to act the most right over this next day, and I bet you I'll see it. That's the law. Paul said you don't get miracles because you earned them. Get them because of Jesus. Boy, if we look to Jesus, Paul even said in Hebrews 12, 1, that when we look to Jesus, that is when we lay aside the sin that easily besets us. It is not lay aside the sin and then go to Jesus. He said you look to Jesus and lay aside that sin. It's a big difference, and it's a 180-degree turn from what a lot of people in the church believe. I believe that you got there. I believe I got there. I believe we're on our way, right? We're on our way to a new way of thinking. Some of us are, are there, but here's the thing about thinking in our minds. Romans 12.2 is our main scripture today and probably next week, because I can already tell you I'm going to split this message down. Romans 12.2 should be one of your life scriptures. Most of you know it by heart. It says, well, maybe. If you don't know it by heart, you should know it by heart. Don't, con- don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I love how he says don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world. And then the next thing he doesn't say, by changing your actions. Don't copy the customs and behaviors of the world by being good. Don't don't do it by focusing on how good you are, how good your behavior can be. He says, don't copy the behaviors of the world. And here's how, by changing the way you think. Remember, I've said this now the last two weeks. I'm going to keep on saying it. Right believing produces right living. It is not the opposite. It is not right living that produces right believing. It is right believing that produces right living. And it says so right here in Romans 12 too. Okay, that's easy to say, Paul. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. How? Well, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. He's writing to believers. He's not talking about a salvation moment. A salvation moment when you say yes to Jesus, boy, that is a done deal. The Holy Spirit is sealed on the inside of you and your spirit is right with God. But you know what? I still got a brain. It's made of tissue. And it's got electrodes that shoot back and forth and send signals through my body. And I have thoughts. And if I don't renew my mind, those thoughts are going to be a whole lot like the world's thoughts. But as a believer, I can choose a different path. And you can choose a different path. I love the way this, so much you can get out of one verse here. This means that there can be believers out there that think and act just like the world thinks and acts. It also means that as a believer, every one of us has a choice to live a different way. 
And it is a moment-by-moment choice. It's a moment-by-moment choice. And when we can keep our minds renewed, according to Romans 12, 2, we will move forward in that way of thinking, in kingdom thinking, instead of that kingdom of God thinking, if, if that wasn't clear. Kingdom of God thinking moving forward instead of thinking like this world. So how do we do it? How do we do it? That's what I want to talk about. And I got six ways. There's lots of ways, right? But I just was really thinking through this this past week and I came up with six and that felt right. Just felt like a, a good place. So maybe I can talk about three of them here over the next 15 or 20 minutes uh, and then, well, it's 10 till 12. Maybe I can do two or three in the next 10 minutes or so and then hit the rest next week. But I'm telling you, these are very practical ways to renew your mind. Listen, but here's, here's the other secret and the trick that goes along with that. You and I as believers are first and foremost spiritual. Yeah. Do you know that? Right. Is this body going to live forever? No. no. My spirit though and your spirit is going to live forever. In a million years from now, your spirit will still be alive. And maybe then we'll have part of the full revelation of what it means to be spiritual first. This is like just a vehicle. This body is the equivalent of the car that brought me here today. It's a vehicle that I'm going to walk around in for however many years. And one day we'll all graduate from this vehicle. And we'll be spirit without any kind of flesh getting in the way of it. We got to keep that flesh part of us renewed. It's, it's like working out, right? Like you, you might can get healthy, you work out, you change your lifestyle, but you know uh, you have to keep that going, right? How many of you ever, how many of you did Atkins diet back in the early 2000s, lost 600 pounds, went back to eating bread, and three days later gained 400 of the 600 pounds? Listen, that's, it's just the way it happens sometimes. If you, you, you got to stick to the new plan. Otherwise, even our physical bodies will fall back into the old way. Our mind is the same way. We got to keep it renewed. So six ways to keep your mind renewed to this new truth. Now, I'm going to go ahead and skip to number six. And the reason it's number six is because we talk about it all the time. So um, we actually just did a whole series about the importance of the word, yeah. right? We just did a whole series about how important the word is to the believer. So I'm just going to fly by this one because I believe if you're a Freedom Church member, you know this. And if you want to hear more about it, go back and listen to our last series that was called uh, The Good Fight. And it's on our website. It's on Spotify and Apple Music, or you can watch it on Facebook. Go back and watch that series. They're like 40 minutes long, which means you can watch all four uh, in, what is that, like two hours, two, three hours or something? So the importance of the word can never be understated. This is the number one way to keep your mind renewed. Yes. Put these words of life on the inside of you. Yes. James calls the word your mirror. If you need to get your look renewed physically, you go to the mirror and you're like, all right, uh, my hair's a little bit out of place. Let me fix that. Uh, ladies, my makeup is a little bit worn off. Let me fix that. If we need to renew our appearance, we go to a mirror. James calls this a mirror and says, don't forget who you are. 
Read this and remember who you are. These are words of life. They are not words like anything else. These are words that go into you and ignite your dreams. These are words that go into you. Like we were singing up here, my heart burns for you. These are the words that set your heart on fire. Do you remember when, when the two men were walking with Jesus after he resurrected and they didn't know it was Jesus? And they said, how did we not know it was him? Didn't our hearts burn when he spoke to us? This is him speaking to you. These words light your heart on fire. These words fill your mind with more truth in one verse than any, uh, any personality test could ever tell you about yourself. Those are actually positive things, actually. I'm not bashing them. They're great. But, but this tells you who you are. So here we go. The word, that's the number one way to read your mind. I would encourage you, have time with the word every day. Don't let a day pass where you're not picking up the word. And it's so easily accessible now. It's on your phone. And if it's not, it can be on your phone in like half a second. So read the word. If it's just one verse, I'll tell you what we used to tell our youth group for 15 years being youth pastors. If you don't ever have time in the word, pick up the Bible tomorrow. And man, if all you can get through is one verse, read one verse. And when that voice tells you all you could get through is one verse, you're pitiful. <laughs> Call it out and say, that's not the voice of the Holy Spirit. That is not the right voice. There's another voice out there saying, you just read one verse. I can change your whole life with that one verse. I can change the whole world with that one verse. I know I've told this story before, so forgive me. Some of you have heard it 10 times, but when Lisa was a kid and she went to Cuba with her family as a as missionaries, there was a pastor preaching from one page out of the book of Leviticus, ripped out of the Bible. And after that service, Pastor Dean, my pastor, walks up to him and says, How, where's the rest of your Bible, sir? There's a few more pages that you're missing. He says, I don't have a Bible. That's the only page I have. And Pastor Dean says, well, when did you lose the rest of your Bible? And he goes, that's all I've had for 20 years. He'd been preaching off one page in Leviticus for 20 years. You better believe he got a Bible before that trip was over. And my pastor got arrested on that trip. Got, he, was in a, he was in a prison cell in Cuba and had a lot of American dollars on him to, to bless the people. And the prison guard said, give us that money, we'll let you out. He said, you've got to be crazy. He said, you're not touching this money. And they had a standoff. He sat there in that prison cell. They kept asking him for the money. He kept saying, you're not getting this money. Finally, they said, we're letting you out. But then they put him straight on the plane and sent him home. But he didn't get that money. That pastor and the pastors around him got that cash actually before he left. So lots of good stories about that. But listen, one word can change your life. Right. One page in Leviticus is evidently 20 years worth of sermons. That's, there's a lot of begats in Leviticus too. I mean, it could have been like a page of begats. All right. So you've heard one thing. And it's the most important thing. Go to the Word. But these other five applications that you can apply to your life are very practical. They're very, very practical and they can keep your mind in the right place to be set on things of God. And this is what I was going to say earlier. I got distracted. Uh, I'm sorry. I went on a rabbit trail. But for the believer, I might introduce these as practical things. But here's the thing. It's all spiritual. It's all spiritual because you are spiritual first and foremost. You are a spirit. You have a body. So even when I say this is very practical, it's actually 100% spirit. Number one, Thanksgiving. The holiday's great, 
But this is a little bit different. I'm talking about actual thanksgiving in your life. Yes. Praise. The word praise, the definition is expressed thankfulness. Thanksgiving can keep your mind in the right place. Being thankful is a simple way you can keep your mind in the right place to focus on the Lord and everything He's done in your life. There's this great verse, I believe, in the book of Hosea talking about the children of Israel. And the prophet said that the people perished because they didn't remember. They limited God because they didn't remember what He had done for them. Do you want to limit God in your life? I don't believe you do. But if you're not living a life filled with thanksgiving, you are limiting what God can do in you. And we're going to talk about being thankful all through the month of November. It is my favorite thing to teach on. I've done it now. This will be the fifth year in a row we've talked about Thanksgiving in November. And I have not ran out of new things to say even once. Thanksgiving is a key that unlocks more doors in your life than you can imagine. And here's one that it unlocks, and that is keeping your mind renewed. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all circumstances. Boy, we go through several different circumstances every week, every day. But here's what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians. Be thankful in all of them, not just the good ones. He doesn't say that. Be thankful in the good circumstances. Don't forget when things are going right, be thankful. No, he says in every circumstance, be thankful. We could start with the most basic things. I woke up. Thank you, Jesus, for another day. I woke up. I'm going to a job. Maybe some days we don't want to thank the Lord for our job. But look, you got a job. Thank you, Lord. I got a job. I'm going to have a Pop-Tart on my way out the door. I hate Pop-Tarts. You know, they kind of burn when you swallow them. They burn like going down. There's some kind of weird chemical in there. I don't know. But thank you, Lord, for the Pop-Tart. Thank you, Lord, that I got people who love me. Thank you, Lord, that every good and perfect gift comes from you. How about this? If you got $15 to your name, you're in the top 10% of the richest people in the world. Come on. You might feel like you're a poor person in the U.S., you might feel that way, but the truth is you're in the top 10% of the richest people in this entire world. That's pretty mind-blowing. Makes you feel a whole lot less poor. It just does. But thank you, Jesus. Man, we might want to get a little more deep. Say thank you, Jesus, for your word. It might remind us that there was generations and generations of believers that didn't have this. Those generations and generations of believers that had to look to somebody else to hear these words of life. But thank you, Jesus, I'm living right now in this time when the words of life are at my fingertips. Here's something else that happens during thanksgiving, during moments of thankfulness, of praise. Here's, here, here's the, the, the kind of the, the thing that happens is it puts your focus directly on Jesus. It puts your focus directly on God. If you're thankful in even the negative circumstances, you know what happens in that moment? You take your focus off of that circumstance and you say, thank you, God. Fill in the blank. You might say, thank you, God. I've been through something like this before and I'm remembering right now you got me through it. That's right. So good. 
But when we put our focus on him, according to Paul, remember we start laying aside all those things that knock us off track. It's so great because really praise and thanksgiving, you know, it comes from, we have this verse that says, worship God in spirit and truth. So praise and thanksgiving is something that rises out of us and we just, we say thank you. It's pure, right? It's a pure thing. It's thank you, Jesus. But here's how good God is. He created this pathway to where he's like, yeah, your focus might be only on me in this moment, but as you focus on me, you're going to see things unlock in your own life. Isn't that crazy? It's like a two-way street. What should be just a one-way street. All I want to do is express thankfulness. All I want to do in this moment is praise you. All I want to do in this moment is tell you how good you are. As that's happening, God has created this thing that just as we focus on Him, our mind just stays renewed to who He is and how good He is. And that's awesome. That's so awesome. All right, so we talked about, obviously, the importance of the word. We just talked about Thanksgiving, and we're going to talk a whole lot more about that in November. So I'm going to move on from that one. And this will be the last one I talk about today. And it is so practical, you might roll your eyes a little bit. That's okay. I don't mind if you roll your eyes. But here's how practical this third thing is. Reinforce the positive events in your life. I'm telling you, things can't get more practical than that. But here's the issue so many people face. Somehow, for some weird reason, we naturally reinforce the negative things. I mean, do you call your friend after a really great day of work and say, oh, I just had the best day at work. My boss loves me. A lot of people I know pick up that phone when they have a bad day. Let me tell you what just happened at my job. Let me tell you what he just said to me. Let me tell you what just happened. And sometimes we don't pick up the phone. We go to Facebook. And we're not putting posts out about the really positive things. We're talking about all the negative stuff. And I'm not saying we ignore. We don't need to be a church that ignores things going on around us. No, we're called to impact these things. But if that's all the things that are getting your focus and your attention, if that's what you go to bed talking about, if that's what you spend your day dwelling on, it's a pretty negative existence. And what it does is it puts your mind in a place that conforms to the way the world works. And if you don't know what that, if you're thinking, how does the world work that way? Watch the news tonight. If there's one good story, there's going to be about 15 bad ones. And if that one good story gets 30 seconds of airtime, then there'll be 29 minutes and 30 seconds of the negative stuff. Well, are you saying I shouldn't watch the news? I don't know. I'm not saying that. I imagine if you turn the news off after missing the news for a year or two, I mean, you might miss two or three really good stories. I don't know. You don't want to miss those two or three really good stories, I know. Also, sometimes it seems like in this day and age, doesn't the news kind of just find you? I mean, do we actually have to watch the news to get the news? It'll find you. If it doesn't, then you're living in some kind of bubble that I'd like to know how to get to it. So if you you are somehow avoiding news 24-7, please tell me how you do that. But I don't know how to do that, honestly. Uh, I don't know how to do that. But reinforce the positive events. There's this amazing doctor I was listening to speak one day. I mentioned this briefly last week, but I mentioned it so briefly I want to touch on it a little bit more. 
she was talking about remembering. And one of the things where she came from was our brain literally files away everything we ever see and experience. Every moment of your life is actually filed away in your brain somewhere. Now, memory involves accessing those files, opening the metaphorical file cabinet and pulling that file out. Now, what she talked about in this discussion was how to remember the things you want to remember. And she said, for you to really remember something and file it in that place where it can be right there whenever you want to access it is you take the information in and then you have to release the information. This is why taking notes is such a positive thing. You take in the information and then it comes out right away as you take notes. This is why conversations you have with your friends and your spouses are so important. Because if you have a relationship where all you do is reinforce and talk about the negative things with that person, that's really going to become a very negative space. Yes. Again, we need support. We are a church that needs each other. Yes. So I'm not saying don't talk about the negative stuff. We need to support each other. But there is a difference between a bunch of negative gossip and a difference between that and going to somebody and saying, hey, this happened today. I need some support. When it's the right person, they're going to look back at you. And instead of them saying, oh, wow, you're right. That is bad. How are we going to get this guy? How are we going to take him down? What that person who's the right person is going to say to you is, yeah, this was wrong. This was bad, but let's pray about it together. And let me tell you who you are. You're more than a conqueror. If you don't quit, you win. If you let the Holy Spirit guide you, he's going to tell you exactly what to say tomorrow. He's going to put you in the exact right position. And hopefully sometimes we are in negative situations that are so bad and we can't see it. We might tell the right person and they might say, hey, it's time for you to get out of that situation right now. Take my hand. This is wrong. But when the spaces we create between us and the person around us becomes reinforcing negativity 24-7, that is a negative space. And instead of our mind being renewed to who the Lord is and what his word says, our minds will become renewed, but it will be to the negativity. It'll be to what the enemy is doing. Man, we've all heard the phrase hardness of heart. We've probably all said it at a time in our life. Man, my heart's grown hard right now towards the Lord and what he's saying. And what if we kept our minds so renewed, our heart became hard towards the enemy and what he was doing? Yeah. I mean, what if, right? Do we not have a promise that says that not only will God fight our battles, he's already fought our battles and won? Do we not have a promise that says, if God is for me, who can be against me? Maybe what they're trying to say, these verses, is that when we can step back and stop trying to fight the battles for ourselves, we give the Lord room to go work and do whatever he needs to do. What if there's a great way to not fight our own battles and that was just not even realize something was happening? Man, somebody was telling me something the other day. Uh, we, were, we were talking about, I mean, some, some, I don't know, some TV shows or some music or something and... Every time something got brought up, this person was saying, oh, I don't watch movies from that company. That company is pushing this agenda and this agenda and this agenda. And I was like, all right. And then somebody brought up another TV show and they said, oh, I don't watch TV shows that are from that network because that network is doing this and this and this. And I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know any of this stuff about anything. I didn't know any of these networks were pushing the agendas they were talking about. And I finally had to say, where do you even hear this stuff? Like, where do you find out that all these companies are so 
evil and they're doing all this stuff. And again, I'm not saying they're not, right? But what I'm saying is I just had no idea. And I kind of liked it better not having any idea. Like what if we became so unaware of the enemy's plans, all we could focus on is what God was doing. Because we can get there. We can get there. I mean, my gosh, will we ever walk away and turn away in fear if we had no idea what was going on right there in front of us? All we knew is the Holy Spirit was with us. And if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's still right beside us. His rod and his staff comfort us. If that's all we focused on, if that's all we knew, we wouldn't even try to avoid the valley of the shadow of death. We would just step into it and keep moving forward. But it's all about our focus. It's all about what we're seeing. I want to make the choice more than ever to see this and only this. Yes. Amen. Don't worry. That's Raleigh. <laughs> Thank you. Ms. Gail and Lisa. <laughs> Psalm 103.2 says, Let all I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the things he does for me. When you were a kid in Sunday school, your Sunday school teachers taught you that verse by saying, count your blessings. Count your blessings. Let all that I am praise the Lord, and may I never forget the good things he's done for me. Man, there's times in my life I've been so focused on the negative things coming against me, I wasn't even thinking a little bit about the good things that God has done for me. But here we have this awesome verse. Don't forget. Don't forget, write them down. Don't forget, write it down. Man, at the end of the day, one of the best things Lisa and I have ever done in our lives, which, which by the way, let's all stand up as we close and band can come back up as I'm closing this out. But one, tomorrow, if, if you didn't know this, I'm gonna brag a little bit. I got an awesome wife and tomorrow is our 18th anniversary. I'm gonna be honest and tell you, we've had 18 great years of marriage. I can say that with all my heart. We didn't, and I'm not bragging on us. These folks that prayed for us up here, the folks that were up here praying for us, because of them, because of my parents, we've had 18 great years of marriage. Because we leaned on them, because we talked to them, because when things were going wrong, we didn't hide it and say, hey, we're having problems. Because when things happened like that, we went straight to them and said, hey, we need y'all to speak into our lives. Help us. Because of these folks, we've had 18 great years of marriage. So listen, if you're married, you found a community that will still be here in 18 years. And if you stick around, you'll be able to say, boy, we've had 18 awesome years because of all these people around us. There's other great communities too. I can't speak for them. I can speak for this one, right? We've had 18 great years of marriage. One of the best things we ever put into practice was, we don't do it as much now, uh, but maybe we should, right? I'm gonna inspire myself to do this even more. But we had a notebook and we wrote in a big old marker on the front, the blessing book. And every night at the end of the day, we would think through the day and write down every blessing we received, big or small everything i mean it was today we'd, we'd have lots of stuff to write about it's pastor appreciation we appreciate every gift so we'd have stuff to write about tonight but also i'd be able to write down somebody made me a cup of coffee this morning that's, that's a blessing write that down count your blessings keep your mind in that place of renewal so today we've talked about 
three very practical things. Stay in the Word, and it'll keep your mind focused on the Word, on God's kingdom, not the kingdom of this world. Number two, thanksgiving. Make yourself be thankful. Stop and say, I'm going to take five minutes and thank God for everything I can think of. Write down a blessing book. That leads to that one. Thanksgiving. And number three, reinforce those positive events. Count your blessings.